Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Community Church. Um, we are uh, currently, right now, we're in this, this series, uh, Does the Bible Say? And uh, in this past uh, week, we, we actually put on, on Instagram, specifically we put this, uh, this, this uh, book giveaway. And uh, it, it's a book that is asking the question that we're going to answer today. And the question is, uh, does God want us to be happy? Does God want us to be happy? And so, uh, real quickly, I'm going to give this away. Actually, Meredith Luthi was our winner. So you can come on up and give your, get your book. Uh, give it up for Meredith. Um, so this book is Randy Alcorn. There you go. Thank you so much. Uh, this book is, by the way, right now she wants to kill me because I invited her up here. But uh, that book is from Randy Alcorn, and uh, I highly recommend this book. It's an incredible book that really helps answer the question that we're going to be talking about today, specifically, does God want me uh, to be happy? second here. Technology. There we go. Um, <clears throat> so the question, does God want me to be happy? Uh, as, as we have gone through this, this um, as we gone through this series, we talked about, uh, does, does the Bible say not to judge? We talked about that. We talked about, um, you know, does the Bible say that the, that the, the root of all uh, evil is money? We talked about that. If these pique your interest, go back, uh, check them out. But this week, for uh, preparation, in preparation for this sermon, uh, I watched a documentary that, that kind of sat in my Netflix queue for two years. I don't know if you guys have this, but like if you look at your Netflix list and you've like added all these things, right? And so they're sitting there in your queue. Well, my, mine was there for two years. It actually is now off of Netflix. I had to go find it on Amazon Prime. Uh, but, but, but the documentary is called Happy. It didn't help me in my sermon prep, to be honest. So I watched the entire documentary and I was like, okay. Um, but... In the beginning of the documentary, it did help me out. And, and, and they asked all these people on the street, what do you want most in life? And I think you can probably guess it, right? They all said in one form or another to be happy. That's what they said. More than anything else in life, I want to be happy. And the truth is, if I asked every single person in here, what do you want most in life? I think 90% of you in one form or another, would say to be happy. You might say to get a better job or to get a house or to get a spouse or to get a whatever, but at the end of the day, essentially what you're saying is, I want to be happy. This is a desire of mankind that has been around from the beginning of time. Blaise Pascal, who's a famed uh, mathematician and uh, philosopher, this uh, French man, uh, in, in uh, about over 350 years ago or so, he wrote this, all men seek happiness. This is without exception, okay? Um, around 1,600 years ago, theologian and church father Augustine wrote this, every man whatsoever his condition desires to be happy. And since the beginning of man, we have struggled with this, this quest for happiness. Why do you think 
Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden because they thought that there was something else they needed that would complete them, that would make them more happy that they didn't have. It was on the other side of the fence, right? And so they made that leap. They jumped over. They made the, the, the sinful leap to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the very tree that, that God told them not to eat from. And to their dismay, it didn't make them any happier, right? And ever since uh, man has been around, we have struggled with this. If you ask people outside the church the question, does God want you to be happy? I think you're going to get, for the most part, a resounding yes. If they would say that they believe in God, they'd say, yeah, yeah, God wants me to be happy. Uh, but uh, it would be without much theological thought, right? They wouldn't really, like, be thinking theologically, or they wouldn't, they wouldn't really be, you know, looking at the Scripture, the Bible, or anything like that, or even church history. They would just go, yeah, God wants me to be happy, sure. If you ask people within the church, there's kind of two different uh, two different camps. One camp is going to say, yes, for sure, God wants, you know, God wants me to be happy, and maybe a little bit of theological thought. Uh, the other camp is going to say something like this. No, no, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. Um, they, they would say that God's not concerned about your happiness. He's really concerned about your holiness. And um, that's a really interesting, interesting thing, I think. Um, because what, what this does is it, it gives us this idea um, that, that happiness and holiness are incompatible, right? It gives us this thought that you can't be holy and happy, that you have to choose, and, and, and you can only be one, so which one are you going to be, right? Um, it, it's this idea that, that uh, you know, holy people... Um, they're, they're, they're always full of pain and sorrow, but happy people are full of smiles, right? Like their life is, it's a big debaucherous, you know, life, but it's full of smiles. And, uh, and, and, and then people would think, okay, hey, but we know where holy people go, uh, and, we, and we know where the sinners go. And so one day, uh, you know, you can either be uh, smiling in hell or frowning in heaven, right? Uh, but, but either way, the choice is yours, but holiness and, and happiness, why, why would they be incompatible? Why can't they go together? We're going to look at that today. And then also this, this question of, of joy and happiness. Uh, this idea that, that I, I've heard this like over and over and over again uh, from pastors that it really has little biblical backing. But this idea that joy uh, comes from things that are not fleeting Happiness is just immediate, and, um, and joy is really, you know, created of all these holy ingredients, while happiness is kind of created of, of unholy and maybe even sinful ingredients, and they're very different. But, but we have to perform some serious mental gymnastics to differentiate happiness and, and joy. Come on. Even when you look up joy in our, in our uh, you know, dictionaries and thesauruses, happiness is a synonym all the way throughout. When you look up happy, joy and joyful and joyfulness is a synonym, okay? So it seems like in our culture, they're very, very similar. And so I don't think there's any difference between happiness and joy in the end. I think we're, we're really kind of, you know, playing a game of semantics there. But some would say this. They would say, wait a minute. Um, uh, for happiness, isn't there a level of happiness that's selfish and superficial? Absolutely, okay? 100%. But there's also a level of happiness uh, or sorry, there's also a level of, of selfishness and superficialness uh, in, um, in other virtues, like, like love and loyalty. 
but we don't villainize them often the same way that we villainize happiness, right? When we look at people who are happy, we go, well, yeah, but that's, that's superficial, it's selfish, right? But we don't, we don't look at their love life and go, yeah, but that's self- selfish and superficial. We say, good for them, right? And so when we look at happiness, uh, for some reason, we treat it with a different set of standards. Um, and so today, we're going to look at this question, does God want me to be happy? We're going to go to Isaiah 52, verse 7. And don't turn to your Bibles yet. I'm going to jump around uh, a little bit in the beginning, and then we'll turn together somewhere. But we're going to go to Isaiah uh, chapter 52, verse 7. And in this chapter, we're specifically going to look at the ESV version. Um, and, uh, and so if you don't know, there's different translations of the Bible. We're going to get into translations, actually, in just a second. Uh, normally, we don't talk about that a whole lot, but it's relevant for today. We're going to go to Isaiah 52, 7. It says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. So here Isaiah, he's, he's writing this prophecy about people who will one day come and they'll share the good news of the gospel, specifically the good news of Jesus. And as, uh, as this prophecy goes, uh, in the ESV, which, which really does get this, I mean, this translation, I think it really gets this verse uh, down, down um, with the original wording and intent, um, but essentially what it's, it, what it's doing is it's coupling happiness with the good news of Jesus. That, that the, the good news of Jesus is a happy thing, okay? Could you imagine, uh, you know, saying to your friends, like, man, th- this good news of Jesus, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. And, um, and, and, you know, as I get closer to Jesus, I just get more unhappy. I get really uh, irritable, I get really uh, depressed and anxious and frustrated and, and, and angry. It's amazing, you gotta try it out, <laughs> right? Like that would, never, that would never happen, it would never work. All the way from the beginning of time, the good news of the gospel of Jesus is coupled with happiness. It's a happy thing, it's an exciting thing. If I told you that I had good news for you, it better make you happy. And if it doesn't, it's just not good news, period. It's not, it's not good news. And so we're answering this question, does the Bible say that God wants me to be happy? Well, this is, this is interesting, this look here. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 10. This is specifically this moment where the angel, they're, they're, there's this big announcement of Jesus coming, right? Um, uh, to, in today's world, you know, when we launched this church, there was uh, big announcements all the time, Instagram and Facebook and, and you know, texting people and all these things. And, uh, you know, we, we paid for ads and all this stuff. Uh, really, here's the deal. I mean, uh, the, the best marketing in the world is when an angel shows up in the field to deliver the message, right? And so this angel shows up in the field, and he's talking to the shepherds. And, uh, and this is what he says in, in verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Great joy to all people. We're assured here that the good news of Jesus brings with it great joy. So uh, the good news of Jesus is coupled with happiness. It's coupled with joy. Um, growing up, I, uh, I attended a church that only read from the, from the King James Version, so the, the, the KJV. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, I know it's a translation that, you know, people don't really read uh, anymore. Um, it, it was written in 1611, okay? 1611, Yeah. Um, I don't know what else was going on in that year, but I know that uh, iPhones weren't around, computers, cars, you know, modern homes. Uh, 1611, okay? Uh, It was almost 400 years old when I was a child, and they were reading it at the church. Now it is over 400 years old. So um, here's the problem. 
uh, if you know about the King James Version, um, in so many ways, it has messed up the faith of Christians. And I'm, I'm going to show you uh, kind of how this ha- has happened. Um, but there's a couple problems with the, the, the King James Version in our culture today. Before I get there, real quick, I, I want to give you this. Why do we have translations? Because we need to start there. Why do we have translations? We have translations because you don't read Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, right? Um, maybe, maybe you read uh, Greek and Hebrew because you went to school, uh, you know, to, to seminary, and you learned a little bit of Greek or Hebrew. But for the average person, we don't read Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic, and therefore, translations must exist, okay? They must exist. Now, uh, the, the other thing is that the words from the original language, they, they can't just be translated word for word. We hear that. I mean, uh, if you've heard that thrown around, like word for word or thought for thought. Well, no translation is word for word. Okay, don't believe that. And the reason is because uh, cultures change over time. The original words um, really, uh, some of those words, we, we don't even have those words in our culture today. Okay? Uh, several times in my life, uh, it, really in the last couple of years even, I've been talking to friends who, who grew up in China or Japan as missionaries and things like that. And they would say, man, I really want to say this thing. But see, I have this word. And, 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 and here's the deal. Like in, a, in, in English, the word doesn't exist. So then they go on for the next three to five minutes explaining what this word really is because they can't just say the one word. You see what I'm saying? And so, like, different languages, we have different words for different things. Different cultures, we have different words for different things. Um, and, and, and then here's the other thing. There are words that, 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 that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I could have said from this stage that I cannot say today, right? They, they, they have become extremely offensive, these words. Why? Because over time, like, the, 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 the cultural colloquialisms, right, the words, they change meaning. They really do. And so, all of a sudden, you can't use that word that you used 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, And so, translations are very, very important. They're very important. Um, Okay, so this means uh, that when it comes to the King James Version, uh, there's a couple problems. Number one, the first problem is that the words that they used then, they don't mean the same thing that they mean today. Okay, period. They just don't. And the second thing is this, that when the, when, the, when the King James Version was translated, which it was really the standard that every church, everybody read from, when it was, when it was translated, it was, it was really used, uh, or the translation was, was, was meant to be a little more poetic than literal, okay, in many instances. And I'm going to give you an example that has kind of been wrecking with us, uh, you know, for a while within Christianity. So let me give you this example. We're going to, um, again, we're asking the question, um, does God want me to be happy? But first, I think we need to look at this. Is God happy? Is God happy? And furthermore, does the Bible say that God is happy? Okay, First Timothy, this is a, um, chapter 1, verse, the end of verse 10 and 11, and it says, The wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious news entrusted to me by our blessed God, or our blessed God. First Timothy 6.15, later on, says, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Okay, both of these verses, they translate this as blessed. And what this does to us is it puts God in a rocking chair on the front porch with maybe like a block of wood and he's whittling out a duck, right? As he's rocking and like the wind is just hitting him and God's like, I'm 
I'm blessed. I'm blessed by this wind, you know? Like, this is the mental image that I get when I think of God just being blessed. Just blessed. But the word here that is actually um, being translated is this word makarios. Now, listen, uh, you, you rarely, rarely have heard me dig into the language because nine times out of ten, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't, okay? In our culture, it lands correctly. But here, I, I'm afraid that it doesn't. The word makarios is translated as blessed here, but the more accurate translation is actually happy. And the, the hard thing about this is that now in, 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 the, in the physical depictions and in our mental images, when we think of God, we, we don't think of him as smiling and happy. Rather, we think of him as emotionless and content. Just blessed. Content. And this is not the picture that the Bible is trying to give us of God. In fact, uh, this would be a really bad soundbite, so uh, pay attention. If... if, if, if this is, the worst, this is the worst time, like, to say something like, uh, you know, a little controversial. And then if you weren't paying attention, if you were kind of sleeping or you're looking at your phone, checking out, you know, Instagram or whatever, and then you hear, like, something, you're like, wait a minute, what is he saying? So, so jump in with me from the very beginning of this. I believe that, that our God, in, in physical depictions, in some ways, he, he should more resemble Buddha. I'm serious. In the face. Have you ever seen the statue of Buddha? Have you ever seen a painting of Buddha? He's smiling from ear to ear. But that's Yahweh. That's the triune God. That's the God of the Bible. And see, when we look at Buddha, we're like, man, that's such a happy God. We think of our God, and we look at the Sistine Chapel, and it's like, God, right? But see, the problem is when we look at Scripture, we see God as blessed and, and very stoic. That's not God. God is very happy. Throughout Scripture, um, there are moments where his happiness shines through. Um, Randy Alcorn, in his book, it's so good. Uh, by the way, I read this book this past week. It's, it's a quick read. I'm telling you, you should really pick it up. It's so good. He says in his book, does God want us to be happy? To be godly is to resemble God. If God were unhappy, we need to pursue unhappiness, which sounds as fun as cultivating an appetite for gravel, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't, I mean, does anybody want to be godly if we just have to be in, in misery, right? Be unhappy. And this impacts the view that we have of, of God, this relationship that we have uh, of God. Every time that, every time that it comes down to, uh, you know, the, the laws that he gives us, do not murder, you know, honor your, your mother and your father, do not steal, do not commit adultery, these things. When we read these, um, we, if, if we see God as, as like this miserable, you know, just kind of stoic God, we're like, man, he's the cosmic party pooper. That's who God is. He doesn't want me to have any fun. And that's not who God is, right? That's not who he is at all. Instead, if we see him as a happy God, uh, and, and he's giving us a law, we immediately give this, this gracious reading of him. And we say, you know what? God wants me to have life and to have it abundantly and to be happy. And therefore, he's giving me an appropriate law so that I will be happy. So that I don't, I don't pick up the death and destruction that comes with the sins of the Bible that we see. Because let's face it, we've seen people in our lives who have, who have done foolish things, right? And they've wrecked their family. They've wrecked their life. At the end of the day, would you say, man, after that divorce, like they're happy. They're so happy. Like, after, after they got drunk and did what they did, man, that, they are happy. They're so happy. No. And God knows what's best for us. He knows, he knows better than we do. 
And so we have the opportunity um, to follow God, to make him our Lord, and, uh, and, and to opt into this plan that he has for our life of happiness. In John 10, uh, verse 10, it says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says this, listen to this. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translation says, I have come to do this. His purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. That is happy. How in the world could you ever hear that God wants to give you a rich and satisfying life, but he only cares about your holiness? You know, come on. God, God wants to give you a rich and satisfying life, but he doesn't want you to be happy. That's not, that's not God at all. And we painted this picture of God because it sounds holy to frown. That's it. It sounds holy to frown, and so we talk about this as if God only cares about our holiness. He only cares about those things, and he doesn't want us to be happy. I'm going to end on this. Um, but remember when I preached uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, do not judge. And specifically, we were talking about it's from the Sermon on the Mount. It's in, that part is in Matthew chapter 7. Well, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And so Jesus, again, this is happening, you know, on the, on the Chorazin Plateau. It's north of the Sea of Galilee. He's kind of on this knoll. People have gathered around him. The, the, the sea is down there. There are fishermen selling their fish. The wind's blowing over the, over the plateau. And he's sitting there surrounded by all these people. And uh, in verse uh, 5, oh, before we go there. Um, so remember I talked about in the KJV that uh, makarios, this word, it's translated as blessed. Well, the, the place that we see it most repeated is actually in the Sermon on the Mount. We see it, you know, con continually said and used, um, but it's not really blessed. Uh, again, the word that's, most, that's more accurately translated in our culture is happy. So we're going to read it uh, on, on that intent. We're going to start in verse 5. Uh, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Happy are those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Happy are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Happy are those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. And happy are those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So does the Bible say that God wants you to be happy? Yes. Yes. Uh, it says this, that Jesus has come to give you a rich and satisfying life. The good news of Jesus is the good news of happiness. And that Jesus gives you a plan for your happiness here in Matthew chapter 5. If you do these things, if you live according to God's uh, way, then you will be happy, but it's, it's a happiness that goes beyond your circumstances. 
Now, this is where people get into the joy and happy conversation. Well, joy goes beyond circumstances. No, no, no. God's happiness goes beyond your circumstances. Whatever's going on in your life, it's crazy. Um, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to who have gone through life-altering moments. Their lives have been completely shaken, and they say this, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've never been more happy. I could never have been happier because God's happiness goes beyond every circumstance, anything that we ever go through. We serve a happy God, and God wants us to be happy, but his happiness is oftentimes different than the happiness that we know here on earth. Um, But that also means this. It means that we can have fun at church. Uh, Last week, uh, we had fun. uh, The kids... They had the trolls, right, AJ? AJ's putting his hands up. Uh, had trolls and superheroes. Uh, it was awesome. It was a great time. And it's not blasphemous. It's not wrong uh, for us to have fun. It's not more, you're not more spiritual when you frown, okay, Eeyore? All right? You can, you can have fun at church. You can smile at church. You can laugh at church. You can be happy. It's okay. That's why we clap in between songs. Because we want to be happy. We want to worship a God that is happy. We want to have a good time. You can be happy and be holy. You don't have to have your happiness cake, look at it, and just stare at it with a frown. So if uh, if you're going to call redemption home, I want to invite you into the family, but I also want to invite you to this. I want to invite you to smile. I want to invite you to have a good time. I want to invite you to laugh. Come uh, Christmas Eve, Eve, yes, we are having a service on the eve of Christmas Eve. Come Christmas Eve, Eve, we are going to party, I promise you. You may not have ever experienced anything like it when it comes, okay? Uh, We've decided at Redemption, when it comes time for Christmas, we're going to party. Why would you not party? We, all the time, churches, they end on, you know, Oh Holy Night. And listen, if if you love Oh Holy Night and it's your nostalgia, I love it. I, I really do like it, okay? But man, when Jesus is born into the world and he brings with it the good news of happiness, the greatest news on the earth... That sinners like me can be saved by a Savior like Him? I want to celebrate that and have a good time. I I don't want to sing a hymn as as we all lull ourselves to sleep. I want to smile, and I want to laugh, and I want to party. That's what we're going to do. And so uh, we invite you. Stick around. Hang out. Invite some friends. Bring them to the party. Church doesn't have to be boring. We serve a happy God, and God wants you to be happy. We pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are happy. God, I thank you that you, um, that you show us what true happiness can be. The world offers us happiness and um, it's a bunch of lies. I can't count the conversations of friends and, uh, and people at this church that I've talked to, friends and family that that have went down the, the happiness trail of the world. And, um, and they've just been, been lost to their dismay. They've been left heartbroken in the wilderness by themselves. The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. But God, your purpose is to come and bring us life, a rich and satisfying life. And Lord, we praise you for that. We praise you for that. 
beyond our circumstances, whatever we're going through in this life, God, I pray that you would, would, would give us a happy life beyond our circumstances. Whatever's going on, that still we would find happiness in you. I pray that you would teach us how to do that. And um, God, we thank you. We thank you that you're not just the God who's on the porch uh, whittling a duck in the, in the rocking chair uh, with no emotion, but you're smiling from ear to ear when you see your sons and your daughters praise you and worship you and live their lives for you. And uh, God, I pray that you would pray that you would craft us into a happy church, that truly we would be a church full of people that are happy. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it's all the things we ask in the name of Jesus, to the happy God, we pray.